Hello and welcome to this latest episode in our podcast series. My name's Adam Brown, a partner in our dispute practice here in London, and I'm joined by Douglas Robinson, um, a managing associate also in disputes with a focus very firmly on digital assets. The topic that we're going to be discussing today is disputes involving digital assets. And this comes as a follow-up episode to um, one that we recorded a short while ago, dealing with legal issues around the transfer of digital assets. Now, that subject remains absolutely relevant in the present market context. But what we wanted to do, sitting here as we are in November 2022, is add an overlay of the market context following the insolvency of FTX. Now, um, in particular, the central issue that um, we covered on that previous podcast was um, who has property in the asset in circumstances where it has been transferred and whether it is held on trust. So do check out that episode for our discussion on that theme. But in order to bring us up to date, I've got a few questions for Doug. And first and foremost of those, uh, I wanted to start with a, a jurisdictional issue, really, which is that the FTX insolvency is taking place in the US and in the Bahamas. So is English law relevant? Um, sure, thank you. So I think, um, as, as you point out, it is uh, primarily going to be a, a question of um, the law of the US and the Bahamas that's going to apply given that's where the bankruptcy proceedings are taking place. Nonetheless, there may still be scope for English law to have some relevance in particular scenarios here. So um, to run through a few of those, certain of the FTX entities had terms of service for their customers that expressly provided for English law to govern the contract and therefore the legal relations between debtor and creditor. So there may be a relevance there. Secondly, you may have some customers who are able to assert proprietary rights over assets that are, are or were held by FTX. And having those proprietary rights may enable them to assert claims, for example, against third parties who are not in bankruptcy. Um, so an example of that would be tracing, albeit they'd need to um, establish that English law is going to apply to the assets. Uh, finally, a key um, observation I think to make is that there's another uh, bankruptcy case in the US going on at the moment, which relates to Celsius. Celsius is another crypto platform, um, which has entered insolvency. And the judge in that case observed that given the lack of precedent in the US dealing with this scenario, so the, the insolvency of a crypto platform, he would actually look to the UK Law Commission's recent consultation paper on digital assets uh, as a guide. Um, that paper is a very detailed analysis of uh, the English law as it stands and crypto assets uh, more generally. And it's therefore possible that what the Law Commission says and the English law position could be influential in terms of where the US courts come out. Thanks very much. So drilling into that then, can you tell me a bit more about what we learn from the Law Commission consultation paper that could um, give insights into um, the, the direction that this may take? Yes. Um, so the Commission actually looks very helpfully at 
really precisely the scenario that's now arisen with FTX, the the insolvency of a uh, an exchange which provides a, a custodial service as well to its customers and looks at how assets may be treated in that scenario. And there are a few uh, observations they make based on the case law, which in, in summary are that firstly, digital assets are capable of being property uh, within the meaning of English law and therefore as property they can be held on trust in principle so depending upon the nature between of the relationship between the uh, the exchange custodial exchange and the customer it's possible that customer assets were held on trust and the customer has retained beneficial uh, ownership of them and that's going to be highly important because where the customer retains beneficial ownership those assets should not form part of the insolvent estate of the exchange um, uh, in contrast if there is no such trust relationship and it's simply a purely contractual relationship between the parties, the assets would um, form part of the general estate and the customer would be a, an unsecured creditor, meaning they're unlikely to recover as much from the bankruptcy process. However, uh, the Commission observes that whether or not a trust will exist in each case is going to depend on particular facts. You'll need to look at um, the documentation and the relationship between the parties to identify whether there is a trust or not. And there's also a question of um, if there is a trust and there's a pool of assets held um, on behalf of customers, but on a commingled basis, so a single uh, wallet contains the assets of many customers, what happens if there's a shortfall in the assets available to meet the claims of the owners? Uh, of those assets and this is an area the commission identifies as one which is uncertain in the context of digital assets uh, but ultimately they conclude that they think the most appropriate way forward is to have the shortfall shared pro rata among all of the um, beneficial owners so uh, even if there is a trust um, there's still scope for uh, the customers not to recover 100 percent in that scenario Thank you. And of course, aside from the Law Commission consultation, another reference point that we can look to is what's happening in other common law jurisdictions um, who have looked at this sort of custodianship situation. Are, are they finding that a trust arises in these circumstances? Yes, look, it's a very uh, interesting question because you've actually got two cases, um, one from New Zealand, one from Singapore, which look at the same question and arrive at opposite conclusions, albeit there are reasons why they've arrived at different conclusions. So the first is uh, the case of Rusco and Cryptopia, which uh, was before the uh, High Court in New Zealand. And there, a crypto exchange was insolvent uh, following a hack. And ultimately, the court concluded that the exchange held assets on trust for customers. Uh, meaning the assets fell outside the insolvent estate. In contrast, the Singapore Court of Appeal, in the case of Coin and B2C2, reached a very different conclusion. There, the exchange was not insolvent, but nonetheless, um, the question arose, uh, is there a trust relationship or not? And it was found that no, no trust arose. In terms of the, the distinctions between those two cases and why you've got the differing outcomes, and key, key points uh, to note are that um, the courts looked at whether or not the exchange maintains its own internal record of which customers own assets or have entitlement to assets within a commingled pool of assets which are held um, together in a, in a wallet or, or a, a small number of wallets, uh, therefore reflecting the understanding of the exchange that there's a, an entitlement or an ownership right on the part of the 
customers and also linked to that whether or not there was an effort by the exchange to maintain sufficient assets to meet those um, customer entitlements uh, were they to be uh, called on. The, the other key feature I think is what the contractual documentation says because in the uh, crypto, uh, sorry, the coin case in Singapore, um, one of the key things the court alighted upon was a risk disclosure in the contract which stated that the customer would bear the risk of the exchange's insolvency and the loss of assets and that was held to be inconsistent with the existence of a um, of a trust relationship where title would always remain, uh, or beneficial title would always uh, remain with the customer over the assets. So uh, I think in terms of the, the th things to take away from those two cases, it's going to be very important to look at the documentation and what that provides for in terms of how assets are held. And also um, in practice, how does the exchange hold the assets um, of customers uh, and what are its own internal processes uh, when it comes to reflecting uh, ownership of assets. If I could ask you, Adam, actually, um, a couple of questions. We've looked at, I suppose, um, the insolvency position and that there, I think many people will look to the US and the Bahamas uh, bankruptcy processes uh, as, a, as a route to recovery. But are there any other alternative avenues of recovery that may exist for um, firms or people who had assets held within FTX? Thank you. I mean, the short and unhelpful answer is that it will depend. Um, and of course, at this stage, details are only emerging as to how FTX handled digital assets that were in its custody and all does depend on the facts. But in theory, at least, claims could exist against third parties to whom digital assets were transferred by FTX. And there's been plenty of press speculation that such transfers may have been occurring. Now, if the third party was unaware of a potential trust situation, then such a claim may not work. But if they were on notice, then in theory, you could look to pursue a claim against that third party to recover your property. And of course, if they are solvent, then that may be a more attractive route than against FTX itself. Picking up on a point that you made earlier was that um, an issue arising in these circumstances is which law governs the asset. Um, and there's relatively limited authority on this, certainly in the digital assets context. So that's going to require careful consideration. But what we can say is that English law is, at least relatively speaking, fairly well sort of developed and thought through in this area so you could probably do worse than bringing your claim in England under English law if you're able to establish jurisdiction uh, and governing law over the um, over the relevant relationship so th that's just a sort of a a big picture point to remember here is that for those that have been caught up in the situation FTX may not be the only avenue of recovery. I think that's probably all we have time for um, on this episode. I would not rule out that developments in the coming weeks and months will uh, justify further follow-up episodes on this theme because it's certainly a fast-moving um, area at the moment. But thank you for listening and do keep a, an eye out for future episodes picking up on this theme. <laughs>